number two. And uh, we've just been kind of going through uh, the book of Ephesians and what God has uh, for us and how he's been revealing to us and showing us who we are in Christ, who the church is, um, all the things of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. If you know Christ as your Savior, um, you're part of these spiritual inheritance, these blessings that we have in Christ. And now we come to chapter number two, and it's almost kind of like a contrast. It's kind of like a before and an after. And uh, you're going to see this as we look here through the stuff here. And, you know, it's, it's always amazing to see before and after photos. You know, uh, sometimes you, you see something, you're like, man, that's horrible. And then you see the after, you're like, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, uh, Jamie and I, when we first got married, we lived in an apartment for about four years. And then we decided to make the decision to join the affliction of home ownership. <laughs> and uh, we purchased our first house and we purchased, it was a fixer-upper. And we had all these great ideas. Yeah, man, we're going to go in there. We're going to fix it up and we'll, we'll spend our time. We'll do it. This will be great. We could do all this kind of stuff. Didn't have any tools. Didn't have really any experience. Um, and over the course of five years... We remodeled, ripped out, redone just about everything in that house from siding to new flooring to a new roof to new windows to new doors to new trim to bathrooms, kitchens, everything in that house. Electrical plumbing was practically brand new. Um, let me just show you just a few pictures here of, uh, of kind of what we, what we did. This was our kitchen, okay? Here's what it looked like after. This was one of our bathrooms. <laughs> we were installed. No. <laughs> Here's finish there. This was another bathroom. Everything in that bathroom was pre pretty much rotted. I mean, there was termite damage. There was mold. It was, I mean, when, after we started tearing into it, some of that stuff just literally just fell apart, fell, fell right, right down. This is the finish there. So you see that, and there's this contrast of before and after, before and after, and, and you see that, and you're like, man, this is, this is pretty amazing how, how something that was so disgusting and, and gross and, and messed up and broken, and now the finished product, you see it, and there's a contrast there. And that's where we come here in Ephesians uh, chapter number 2, you see this, we've, we've turned the chapter, and now God gives us this contrast of what we were before Christ. Um, look here in Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So here in Ephesians, it enables us to better appreciate our salvation in Christ because it gives us this contrast. We see who we are in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1, and then we look in Ephesians chapter number 2, and it's almost as if God reminds us, and he says, you were once dead 
in trespasses and sins. And it's interesting that without God's enabling salvation, without his mercy, without his grace, we would, we would all be lost, still be lost. You know, contrast always enables us to better appreciate things. Think of the contrast that we all have experienced in, in our life. For example, light and darkness. We appreciate the light when we have it. I mean, now that we're uh, in our daylight savings, you're going to have an, act, an extra hour of daylight. Everyone's like, yes, great. We appreciate that. We appreciate darkness when it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> we want to go to sleep. How about clear and blurry? If I take my glasses off, things get a little blurry back there. But when I put them on, oh, it's clear. I can see it now. How about despair and hopeful? When things are at their lowest and then we have hope. How about crying and joyful? We see those contrasts. We appreciate those things. And it's in these contrasts that allows us to capture the beauty of what was once and what is now. And Paul here in the Ephesians gives us these exciting contrasts as well. You who were once dead, you once walked, you once lived this way. This is who you were. But no longer if you know Christ as your Savior. I want to show you a couple contrasts that are in here in, uh, in Ephesians uh, that we'll see, but then we'll focus really on, on chapter 2, verse number 1. And as we get closer here to uh, Resurrection Sunday, we're going to break these verses down, verses 1, 2, and 3, and then we'll see the unfolding of, of God's salvation as it's described for us in verse number 4 on Resurrection Sunday. But here in uh, Ephesians, we see these contrasts, and there's a couple of contrasts that, that Paul gives us and shows us in the scriptures. Number one, there's Jesus Christ. There's this contrast of who Jesus Christ is. Where did we leave off in Ephesians chapter number one? Remember, Paul is giving this, this awesome kingdom-shaking prayer as he's praying for us. He's, he's giving us this idea of who we are and who the church is. And remember what he said here in Ephesians 1, verses 21 through 23? He says, speaking of Jesus, that he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He's above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's Jesus. He's exalted and he's in his glory and he has all the power and authority. But then you contrast that with Ephesians 1.7 and it tells us about Jesus in him. We have redemption through his blood. So you see this contrast of Jesus who in his suffering provided salvation, but then we see Jesus exalted in his glory. We see this contrast that you, you, Paul really doesn't go into much depth here about his suffering. He just says in his blood, through his blood, we have redemption. I was working on the house the other day. I know it's an affliction. We have this strange... Uh, uh, addiction to, to work. I don't know what it is. 
Um, but I was working on some stuff, and in my hands, they were they started getting all kind of cut up because I was working on some electrical, and the, my hands were hitting the wires and cutting and bleeding and all kinds of stuff. And you know, you have that that suffering there. But Paul here says, through his blood, we have the redemption. You know. The gospel accounts record to us about Christ suffering, the things that he went through, uh, the beatings and the mockery and, and, and just, the, just the pain as he it was on the cross, the suffering that he endured. But then we see his glory as he's exalted here. There's this contrast that Paul goes through and he gives this idea. Look at this other one here. Those who know Christ, this contrast helps us grasp what God has done for those who know Christ. And he says, you were dead. Now this doesn't necessarily describe um, all people that, because a person has to come to faith in Christ in order to be once dead and now that you're alive. But before Christ... That's who we were. You were dead, as the Bible says. And look what he says here. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You once walked following the course of this world. You once lived in the passions of your flesh. This is a contrast of who you once were before Christ. And I think we can all appreciate that. And I came to faith, the saving faith in Christ when I was 19 years old. Before I, before I came to faith in Christ, I remember how I was, the things that I did, things that I said, the way that I acted, the things that I thought. Christ changed all that, and he made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so Paul here goes through this about this, this stuff that we have before Christ and now who we are, uh, now that we know Christ and, you know, Paul speaks about this situation before birth. Let's look here in uh, verse number, uh, chapter 1, verse number 4. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Look at verse number 5. It says, in love he predestinated us for the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Look at verse number 11. He says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so it, it almost seems kind of a bit awkward that, that God talks about us before we even knew him. That he says, I, I've had this purpose for mankind is that, that they would be saved and that they would come to know me and that they'd be holy and blameless. But he says, the state of who you are is you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And he gives us this contrast of who we were before we came to know Christ. So I want to show you just, let's just take verse number one here. And I want to show you a couple things here about this in verse number one. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. So before Christ, we were dead in the trespasses and sins. Paul very clearly here declares the state of mankind. In man's natural state before Christ, they are dead. 
Notice that word, you. You. You were dead in trespasses and sins. This is, this is mankind's natural state that they are dead. But you think, seem to think, why in the world would he write something like that? I mean, in Ephesians chapter number one, he just told us that we are saints. He told us that we have this inheritance. He told us that we are uh, God's uh, people that have been chosen to be holy and blameless. Why would he write this, that you were dead in trespasses and sins? Well, there's three key words here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. You see them, dead, trespasses, and sins. Now, it's important that we define these words because I think by defining them, it gives us a better understanding of who we were before Christ. And if you're here without Christ, this gives you a perfect application and an understanding of who you are without Christ. Look at that first word, dead. Now, as I studied this word, I looked into it, and I spent time and, and, and looking and digging into it. You know what I came to a conclusion about this word dead? You're going to love this. You know what dead means? Dead. <laughs> That's it. You're dead. Refers to one who had life but is now without life. They don't have any communication. They don't have alertness. He or she is now deceased. They're departed or they become inanimate. They're dead. And that's what God says about those without Christ, that they are dead. They say, well, I'm moving around physically. I, I can do things. I can pick things up. I can, I can eat things. But you're dead spiritually without Christ. You're dead. That's it. Look what he says here. The second word, trespasses. The word trespasses means a lapse from the standard. It is often used in a more mild sense where one is done wrong out of ignorance, meaning the fact of, oh, I'm sorry I trespassed on your property. I didn't know. I didn't know that I was supposed to not walk on your grass. I'm sorry, I trespassed in that sense. Or, oh, is that yours? I didn't realize it. I'm sorry, it's a trespass. The idea here is God is trying to get across to us that even the minor infractions, the things that we do out of ignorance, God says that we've offended him and we've broken the law. And God says that we are dead in our trespasses. But then look at this other word here, sins. The Bible has about seven different words for the word sin. But the word here, sin, in this verse here, he's talking about is meaning to miss the mark. Think about a person that is shooting a bow with an arrow and he's aiming back there for Jonathan. He's trying to shoot an apple off of his head. And he lets it go. And he misses, and it hits way over here on this side. Jonathan's going, oh, whew, good. <laughs> so you've missed the mark. What is the mark? What is the standard that God has set? God has created us for his glory, to be for his purpose. We are supposed to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is our purpose that God created us for. But you know what we've done? We've missed that mark because of sin. We've done everything and anything else in our own power to satisfy our own desires and do our own thing without God. And we've missed the mark 
that God says. And God says that we have been dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter number two, verse number one here. It's obvious that the apostle here is not speaking about our physical lives. He's talking about our spiritual life. That we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Listen to what Genesis 2 verse 17 has to say about this. It says, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. You remember that story there? Here's Adam and Eve in the garden. God gave them a commandment. He says, you do not eat of this tree. Eve is deceived. Adam willingly, willingly eats of the tree. And he plunges all of humanity into sin. Turn over to the book of Romans here real quick. I want to show you some contrast here. Romans chapter number 5. Look at verse number 12. Romans 5 verse number 12. You're going to see this contrast of Adam and Christ. The disobedience of Adam, the righteousness of Christ. The death. Through Adam, the free gift of life through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from who? From Adam to Moses, even over those who sinning, was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. That's Jesus Christ's coming. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation just because of Adam's sin. It brought condemnation in the world. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteousness. So you see this spiritual death that is revealed to us in Scripture, and God says you were dead. You were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. He says all these wonderful things that you have in Christ now, these spiritual blessings, but I want to remind you that once you, what you used to be, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You see, spiritual death speaks of a lack of, of communication and contact with God. You're cut off. There's no communication there. More than this, man loses the joys and the love that he otherwise had when he used to have communion with God. Remember in the garden there? 
when Adam sinned, what happened? They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. They were hiding. God comes and he's calling for them. He wants to have communication with his creation and they're hiding. There's a, there's a lack of communication now because of the sin. And God tells him, he says, the day that you eat thereof, he says, you will die, Adam. Now, Adam didn't fall over dead, but he died spiritually that day. He, he lost what was once there, the communication and the purpose that he had. And he missed the mark. And now he's dead in his trespasses and sins. You see, we are spiritually dead. We are cut off from God without Christ. And that's what makes salvation. We see it and we're going, wow, we, we see what we once were, but now what we have in Christ, it's, it's precious. It's something to be uh, uh, treasured. It's, it's something to be valued because of what we have now in Christ. You see, apart from the spiritual life that God offers in Jesus, all mankind live in a state of death. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, your family, apart from Jesus Christ, they are spiritually dead. They have no hope. They have no communication with God. And the picture Paul gives us here in Ephesians 2 does not please most people. It's an attack on your character. It's saying you are dead without Christ. Because most people like to think well of themselves, don't they? They say things like, well, I'm a good person. I do good things. I help people out. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I, commit, I, 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 I commit myself to the community. I, I recycle. I do this. I do that. I'm not a bad person. But God's word says you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And he says, you need Christ. You need, you need to be resurrected to new life. And this is an attack and people don't like that. Because the Bible says that they are dead. That they can't do anything without Christ. You see, the word dead means that all of us on our own cannot in any way break through into life. We totally lack the insight, wisdom, affection, will, or power to connect to God. Can I ask you a strange question? Can you be dead just a little bit? I mean, can you be like partially dead? Like they look at, well, he's kind of dead. Does that happen? No. Either you're dead or you're not dead. You can't be in the middle. There's no way for him to decide that I want to be made alive. When a person's dead, he, can't, he, he doesn't just say, well, you know what, I'm, I've been dead for a little while. I think I'm going to wake back up and, and make myself alive. You can't do that. You're dead. He's completely incapable of restoring life to himself. And this is what makes the gospel so attractive. It makes the gospel so scandalous, so offensive because you cannot do it yourself. You cannot come to God on your own terms, your own way, your own self. Because you're dead. 
And Christ provides the way of salvation. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father but by me. That's why I get so alarmed when people say things like, well, you know, I got plenty of time. When I'm old and I'm just about on my deathbed, then I will make the decision to trust Christ. You cannot do it on your own. You can't. Bible tells us that the Father is the one that draws you. And so when God is drawing you, God is wooing you, God is telling you, repent of your sins, trust Christ, we have to make that decision. We have to turn to Christ. And so they are dead in their trespasses and sins. There is no life found but in Christ. And so can I say to you, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, turn to Christ, repent of your sins. This is a contrast that's revealed to you in Scripture, showing you that you are dead, and the new life that you can have in Christ with all the spiritual blessings that God gives us, that we're redeemed, that we've been sealed, that we've been blessed by God, all those spiritual blessings will come into your life. And if you are a Christian, then this is a reminder for us to know that I have this great inheritance in Christ. This is what Christ has given me. And I can remember back how I used to be, that I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And only a true understanding of our spiritual deadness and condemnation can awaken us to the fact that we ought to tell others about Jesus Christ. There are people that are dead everywhere we go without Christ. Everywhere. You don't have to look too hard to find them. Jesus said, lift up your eyes into the harvest. Lift up your eyes. He says, it's white already to harvest. It's ready. It's ready. He says, but the labors are few. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth labors into his harvest. There are people everywhere that need Christ. We have to take the message of Christ, the message of the gospel to people. That they cannot do it on their own, that they are dead without Christ. They need Jesus. And I encourage you as a believer in Christ to be active in doing that, giving people the gospel, telling people about Christ and what the change that he's made in your life as well. Let's pray together.